leadership in cybersecurity isn't just about understanding threats. It's about leading a team to navigate them with confidence. At CPF Coaching LLC, we specialize in taking your leadership skills to the next level. With over 15 years in the cybersecurity field, we empower professionals and startups to reach unprecedented heights. Imagine having a personalized coaching experience tailored to your unique career ambitions. From strategic planning to masterful pitch and interview preparations, we're here to guide you through every challenge. Join us for our unique value proposition workshops or dive into our vibrant learning community for continuous skill advancement. Don't just be a part of the industry. Redefine it. Visit cpfcoaching.com for more information. Discover the leader within. Contact CPF Coaching LLC today and schedule your strategic session. Hey, security peeps. We are back again with another edition of Breaking LinkedIn with Breaking into Cybersecurity and Hacker Valley Studio. It is episode 13. I can't even believe we're in episode 13. February, um, February, July 3rd. <laughs> Happy Independence Day, folks. <laughs> July 3rd. I am Renee Small, cybersecurity super recruiter, helping awesome cybersecurity talent get into opportunities and helping wonderful cybersecurity leaders hire great talent. We have a special guest today. She, we will go around and introduce ourselves, but we have Olivia Rose here, one of those leaders that hires people. So we're super excited to have you on, Olivia, um, this morning. So we will go around. Chris C., go for it. How's it going, everybody? Chris Cochran, co-host of the Hacker Valley Studio podcast. And during the day, I'm the director of security engineering uh, for a company called Marketa. Happy to be here. Thank you so much for joining us, Olivia. Looking forward to the conversation. Thank you. Ron. Yes, thank you so much. Glad to be back again. Uh, Co-host of Hacker Valley Studio. Uh, and by day, I work at Palo Alto Networks as a security architect, and I am looking forward to giving Olivia an e-hug. She was one of the last hugs that I got before the lockdown of COVID. <laughs> I didn't know who he was, but I hugged him anyway. He's <laughs> a handsome man. Got a good hug. <laughs> what can you do? <laughs> My brother from another mother, Chris Fulon. Go for it. Hey, everyone. Short and sweet. <laughs> so, and Olivia Rose, introduce yourself, Olivia. Hey, everyone. I'm super glad to be here. I am a CISO, formerly the CISO of MailChimp, and about to jump into my new CISO role, which I can't talk about. Don't want to jinx it. Yeah. Exciting. <laughs> so exciting. Cool. So exciting. Excellent. Yeah. All righty, folks. So hot topic for this week has been skills versus degrees. So um, super hot topic. So I um, sent out a post last Saturday um, on Friday night or Friday afternoon, actually, um, the Trump administration's Workforce Advisory Committee um, recommended an executive order and and, um, the president signed this executive order that will value skills um, versus degrees in some government, federal government opportunities. And so I put the post out there, it was a USA Today article, threw the post up and it went bananas. So, so many questions, topics, points of view. I think, you know, speaking from the side of a cybersecurity recruiter and a and, and interacting with tons of CISOs, you know, I know what actually a couple of days prior, 
I had been posting about um, having a conversation with a CISO discussing skills um, versus degrees and why, you know, he thinks that he thought that it was irrelevant or not needed, um, especially in the entry level seats, um, cybersecurity space. So that is a topic skills versus degrees. Who wants to go first? I think we should let our guests go first. Oh. Hot seat. Well, I was, I can't tell you how excited I was to see that post because I can't stand the idea that you're required to have a four-year degree or a two-year degree just to get these these security jobs, we're literally cutting off half the population <laughs> from even getting in the door or even more higher than that. I mean, some I always say some of the best, honestly, the best hackers, if you went to B-Sides this year in San Fran right before RSA, there's hackers there who are 15 years old. Mm -hmm. Right. <laughs> I don't care if, if you're 22 years old and you're looking for your first time job, I wanna know that you've been hacking stuff, you've been hacking your well, Atari, I'm dating myself here. You've been hacking your <laughs> PlayStation for, you know, since you were 15 years old. That's who I want to hire. I don't care if you got your master's in cybersecurity. That is over the top unnecessary nowadays. Right. It's very, it's very by the books to, to have a degree. I think there's a lot that you learn in the degree program that might accelerate some of that knowledge. But there's nothing, like you were saying, like getting your hands dirty. Uh, messing with a game console or with a piece of software that you purchased or it's open source, just messing around with it, getting to know how it works and tinkering yeah. around, that always leads to the to the discovery. Not, yeah. not to mention that it takes so long to develop these curriculums and have them approved that mm -hmm. by the time they're developed, uh, the technology has already changed. Yeah, and I just, yeah. uh, last year I did a thing for uh, Gen Cyber out in Connecticut and they had kids that were in high school that were coding in Python, like they were doing all kinds of cryptography challenges or doing hacking challenges. And to me, I'm like, these got these kids can get a job as soon as they graduate. Like, I, I there, there's almost I wouldn't say there's no need. There are definitely programs out there that can definitely help you, like especially if you're doing like a computer engineering like track. That could be tough to pull together on your own. You could definitely do it. But for the tangible skills that someone would need to do the work, you can get that from anywhere. Yeah. And, and can I say something that might upset some people? Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm not the only one who thinks this, but there's nothing more irritating than somebody who is book read and got all these degrees in cybersecurity and comes in and thinks that they know better than you do. There's nothing more irritating than that, because mm. <laughs> unless you've been through a breach, unless you actually put your hands on something, unless you've right. actually configured a firewall, unless you've actually written a policy that's not a school paper, right. you don't know anything. And you can quote all these yeah. case studies to me as much as you want to, but I'm not going to hire you. Right. <laughs> <laughs> At least be humble, right? And I, Yeah. So, Chris, speaking of the these uh, high schoolers and also for Olivia, you, you all have been in uh, great positions to bring new people on. Have you ever worked with a teenager in cyber that was just always loving the field and getting their hands dirty? You go ahead, Olivia. Chris? Oh, oh my gosh. Yeah, I have. I, I love them. Uh, <laughs> I have tried to, you know, to, to poach uh people from other people from other companies um i, I think 
they're they're an interesting challenge um, to bring on for the summer, for example. But they're an interesting challenge because you have to remember that they are still teen they are still teenagers and they are here with skills, but they are probably around here with maturity and real life experience. So you have to somehow come to the middle here or try to get them to come up, but you can't expect too much from them, but they're absolutely fascinating. And you cannot beat that enthusiasm that yep. a teenager has who, right. who just loves crypto or is attending, um, uh, just going to local classes and local hackathons. Those are the people we want to hire. Absolutely. And, and I, I, I almost like have to pull myself back a little bit because once I see a, a diamond in the rough, I'm like, oh, we got to cultivate this. We got to shine this diamond <laughs> up. Uh, so I almost got to be like, calm down. They're very talented, but just make sure you don't scare them away. So, uh, yeah, I, and I love it. I absolutely love it because I, I wish there were a lot of the programs that are around today when I was younger, because I, I think I, I might even be way you know further down the, the pipe than I am now. But uh, luckily, we do have the folks that are putting together these amazing programs, uh, programs like Cyber Patriot, where they're, they're going into middle school, they're going into high schools, they're teaching them basic cybersecurity stuff. And so now it's a part of their lexicon much earlier in their development. Mm -hmm. And so then who knows the types of problems that these these kids now kids, but soon to be uh, adults, young adults, what they're going to be doing, the solutions they're going to be creating. And I think the Internet's going to be much safer going forward. Yeah. Little yeah. little known fact about myself. I actually started my career uh, at 19 at Booz Allen Hamilton working full time. I had a great opportunity, uh, had some great mentors and they really cultivated, you know, my skill and my talent. I was so immature. I didn't know how to use like the, the word processing tools, never followed my calendar. But, you know, those things just took time. I think those were the easier skills to learn rather than learning about the technology, which was I was just so passionate about. Yeah, I wanted to add that um, we have a we, yesterday I interviewed on the podcast Parcia, who is a high school student. He just graduated from high school and he was part of the Cyber Patriot program. Oh, he was nice. the president of his cybersecurity um, club in high school. I mean, this kid is amazing. He already has he was he's studying for the Security Plus and the AWS cert. I mean, wow. it nice. it was just amazing. I mean, he's so, so, so passionate. And he was talking about Cyber Patriot going like before it was at the high school level, now getting down to the middle school level. Mm -hmm. And somebody like him, whose hands are already dirty to your all of your points, this is what I hear all the time. You know, I hear it day in and day out when I'm talking to CISOs, when I'm talking to leaders, VPs of security and what have you. Um, yes, theory is nice. Yes, getting a degree and broadening your education, like, I'm never one to say, don't do it if you have the money and you have the time and what have you to get that um, to formalize, you know, getting formal education for, for a multitude of reasons. However, what I've seen over the years consistently in technology prior to doing this since starting in 2011, when it was in the tech space and now here in, um, in cyber since 2011, 100% hands down, it's going to be skills first like they say every leader i've spoken to i have 100 percent. it's can i put this person in front of a keyboard are they going to know what to do and that mm -hmm. comes from having skills period yep. that comes from getting those skills so i'll jump into this question that danielle goodwin says if yep. degrees mean nothing 
what's the best way to show your skills on a resume? I, 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 I want to start I'll, by answering. I don't. Okay, great. I don't. I, I won't say degrees mean nothing. So I want to. I want to make sure that you know we we you know Chris has a, a is a is an adjunct professor. Chris F is an adjunct professor. He teaches. He has a master's degree. We I think all of us here have at least bachelor's degrees. Correct. Mm-hmm. Right. Correct. Everyone here has a bachelor's. Yeah. So we're not saying a degree mean nothing. And others have masters and what have you. We're not saying that degrees mean nothing. We're just saying that practical experience has to be included. I personally think that every degree program out here cranking out masters and bachelors in security, there should be some type of practical component baked in either via internship, externship. You have to have practical people, people that are in the industry teaching these courses, even if it's something that's um, theoretical, like theory made up, it's because that practical person did this on their job earlier today. Like, hey, I was at work at Marquetta. This is what was happening. Now I'm going to bring in and, and give it to you as a project to do like it should appoints me that it's and then some people out and they don't you know they struggle whereas other people that are coming out of degree programs I know quite a few that come out of degree programs that have internships people are snapping them up as soon as they get out because that degree program is so strong so we're not saying I'm I you know I personally am not saying don't do it but skills definitely trump and they matter I um, would Renee, I kind of disagree with you a bit, um, respectfully. <laughs> that that's why we're here. <laughs> that's why we're here. Uh, so I don't necessarily think it's necessary. It's yeah, it's a good thing. Great if you got the money and, and you have the the ability to go. Great, but you know a lot of the population doesn't. So that's an unfair advantage already. What I care about is instead of a degree, have you gone out and volunteered? Have you gone out and uh, reached out to someone like Chris, right? Both either Chris, adjunct professors, reached out and said, is there anything I can learn? Um, Get some kind of um, certification if you can. Get some kind of experience. Um, There's a lot of free stuff on on, on the web where you can get some sort of certification, in uh, something regarding security or you pay ten dollars when they're on sale in coursera that's what i look for i want someone who has the the gumption and the kahunas to go out and get their own if they can't afford to go to school now degrees are great right you got a degree i barely passed college i'm lucky i passed college i scooted by with like a 2.4 gpa i don't know how i graduated so i don't I don't value formal education that way. I look at education as something that's learned however you get it. And I and I'm mm. I, I you'll never see from me a job posting that will require will require formal education. Yeah. Uh, but what I look for is have you gotten it another way? I, yeah. I, I agree with that approach. There's there's many universities that are now including more practical elements to their university. Uh, For example, WGU, as part of their program, they require certifications and that's the class. The class is Mm. to study for the certification and you'll pass the class 
based on your exam and the certification. So it's like the best of both worlds. Um, in the classes that I teach, I push my students to do to develop practical solutions instead of just writing academic papers. Right. Oh, OK. I, I would say that the, the argument really isn't like, the, is there a value in a, a four year degree? Because there, there definitely is. And there's definitely paths for people to take from the four year degree track that might not be available to other people, like certain internships and things like that. But what is magical about this, this executive order that has come out is now that there is no longer this seemingly superficial checkbox where you have to have a degree. Because if you have a, a candidate, he or she that has all these amazing skills, but just doesn't do well in a four-year degree sort of environment, now they're able to get the jobs that they deserve. Now they're able yeah. to actually be a part of the workforce and actually push the ball forward. Whereas it, because you're putting these seemingly superficial uh, limits on what people can do based on the fact that they didn't go to a four-year degree, you're limiting so many things and so many yeah. people across the board. Yeah, definitely. I actually uh, went to WGU. Shout outs to that on uh, Chris F. Great school. And yeah, it's it's awesome because not only do you walk away with a degree, you get to finish the classes when you want <laughs> and uh, you get your certification. Like it's all yeah. kind of all encompassed. So even if you don't complete your degree, you're still walking away with something. I, I was the type where I was like, you know, I might not finish it, getting a little burnt out on all these classes. But um, at least if I would have quit, which I didn't, luckily, um, I would have still walked away with something that I could show employers that I've been working on my skills. Olivia, yeah. I have a question for you. Um, did you, <laughs> did you face any backlash when you removed the requirements for education within uh, the companies that you work for? No, I wrote the job postings and maybe they didn't see that I removed it if it was there. Because <laughs> oh. <laughs> oftentimes we see these big companies Nobody that can. like have like that bachelor requirement as the minimum stakes for every single job application. And um, I, I remember fighting for people in some of the, the companies that I worked for that they didn't have a bachelor, but they had an associates and they had experience. And I had to fight with HR to get that exception made um, because they didn't meet that cross the board standard. So I was just seeing like if you faced anything when you when you did that. Because no, I didn't. And, and look at Ray Moore put a great comment here. Um, look at the alternative. The alternative is to go to school for four years or two years. You get a formal degree. And then to even break into cybersecurity. And I know y'all have talked about this many times on this show. It is hard. You know, you need experience to even get a job. So let's say you graduate school at 22, if you graduate on time, let's say. Uh, let's say you can go on for your master's. So you graduate at like, I don't know, 24, 25. Then you have to get some sort of experience and then you can even break into the field. Why don't you just get the experience, show you can do the job. If you have to, if you're a dream job and they can't change it, requires you to have some sort of um, education, go to a two-year college, that's fine. But go do it first. Do it through high school. Uh, if it's if you're past that point, just volunteer. Everybody needs help. You know, volunteer at your church or mm -hmm. at a store setting up their Wi-Fi securely. That goes on the resume. 
That's yep. what I want to see. But mm -hmm. I think, you know, as, as Ray says, you have to gain some practical experience. If you bank on going to a four year college and then you think you're going to get a job in security right now, think again. It doesn't happen unless you have some incredible connections. You can't even get a job as an analyst nowadays because the hiring is so crazy. Hiring requirements are so crazy. Yeah, I, I, I did my education nice all job. online while I was working. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Renee? I think she was going to you know read saying, it, Am I still choppy? Yes. I'm a little bit, yeah. Choppy a little bit. And yeah, to, to, okay, uh, you guys one read it. Mm -hmm. to one Metro Elite, that's absolutely right. Put, I heard sometimes putting IT projects you did in school on your resume may help. Absolutely. 100%. It show, oh, 100%. Include it shows that link. you took that initiative. Especially if you for. get into the specifics on what you're applying for. I know that it could be a daunting task to customize your resume over and over again. But if you're trying to break in and you did an IT project in, in school, you know, try to break it out and put the skills on your resume that are going to apply towards the job that you're applying to. Yeah, if, if I got a resume and all it said was like Splunk project and it listed out the architecture that they had to go through to, to implement this mammoth of a project... I'm going to definitely check out this candidate because obviously they've banged their head against the challenges that they're going to see in the actual job. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I have a website. Um, include the projects that you have there. Mm -hmm. If you can't fit it all on your resume, um, have a GitHub link, post all your code there, post anything practical that you've done, find a way to supplement your website or your LinkedIn page with, with that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And create. Um, I did a. I did this a long time ago when I was looking for a job. I created business cards. They're really easy to design. If you go to Canva.com and cheap to print, you put your picture on there, and you put all those great things that you've done uh, on the front and the back, and your contact information. And you, once we can go, you go to events and you network. Just go to your local events, network, hand those things out. What I did was just leave them around on tables, to be honest. Mm. Because, um, but just go volunteer at events. And when people are checking in, if you talk to people, give them one. You'd be surprised how people are just like, oh, that's a good way to get noticed instead of just waiting for somebody to come to you on LinkedIn. Yeah. One of the things I would say to be careful for, for anyone that, you know, really breaks down their skills, be prepared to talk about them. If you have, like, to Chris's point, Splunk on your resume, I'm going to be naturally curious. Like, what did you do? What was your involvement in the project? Mm -hmm. And yeah. sometimes with uh, the candidates that I've interviewed, it's it's uh, maybe, maybe nerves get in the way or just lack of participation with the project. So I would say also make sure you have your examples in your back pocket. That, that's a that's a great point. Oftentimes, when I look at resumes or I have a candidate in front of me, I'll ask them, in this project that you mentioned, what did you do? Because sometimes they they write their resume like, I was part of a team and we did this. Right. I'm like, okay, that's great, but what did you do? Tell me about this. Tell me about your experience, not what your team did. And on that note, may I make a call out to all the women listening to this? Stop saying you were part of a team if you led something. Mm. Okay? Definitely. If you led something on that on Chris's note just then, say you led it. Women have this tendency to think that it's better to be part of a team. If you're part of a team, that's great. If you led something, 
lead it, put that, say that. Women, oh, women, come on now. <laughs> it drives me crazy when I, when I talk to women who are candidates and they downplay it, like they're afraid of being smart. Well, we've mentioned it before that women look at a job description and if they don't meet like 90% of it, they don't want to apply. Whereas yeah. um, men's 60% is great. Like yeah. we, I, I look at a job description and if I don't meet all the, all the requirements, I'm like, great, I'm going to learn something. Yeah. That's how I look at it. Those job, those job postings those are unicorns. They're looking for a unicorn. If anybody yeah. actually had all those skills and abilities, do you know how expensive they would be? So when I write a job description, I list out who my Nirvana person would be. And I can't afford that person. Right. And I know that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so you can't take it all for it. And, and to be honest, I think I've had three cups of coffee this morning, so I'm being too transparent. I've never in my life read a full job description before I applied for a job. I literally read the yeah. first quarter. I scan it. Mm -hmm. Is this the place I want to work? Does it sound cool? Okay, yep. the first three bullets. All right, I'm going to apply. And then yep. once I get the job or I'm interviewing, that's when I go back. And I read the rest <laughs> of it. I'm like, okay, I got to yeah. know this and this. So that's, that's what you got to do. You know, if you're shy or timid or think that it's it's a bad thing to be forward you've got to throw yourself out there and and just take a chance as a hiring manager um olivia how what percentage of a job rec do you look for candidates to have an experience on the hiring side great question mm -hmm. um you know what i look for first before the job rec i look for enthusiasm i look for a glow i i call it bright-eyed and bushy-tailed i <laughs> I love it. You know, if, if you're so friggin' excited about this job and security, especially, I, you know, I can teach you anything. You know, I, I, you can learn security. I learned it back in 2005. I came from marketing and then I went and got my CISSP the next year. I learned it mm. uh, and I stayed in uh, security this whole time. Um, so I know for a fact. Uh, so I look for that first. Then I look at, okay. Do they kind of resemble the job description? Are they like 50%? If they're really enthusiastic, 50%, I'm good. I'm totally good. If you're, yeah. if I think you're willing to put in the time to work, you're gonna focus on weekends. Um, that's what I look for. If you're someone who's been around the block for quite a while and I need somebody really, really experienced, uh, I still look for that enthusiasm, but I'm looking for more 75 to 80% of the requirements. Right. And, you know, like all of us who have been in this industry for a long time, um, we're no longer bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. <laughs> <laughs> so I just look for a little glint in the eye. That's all I yeah. look for. <laughs> yeah. We have a, a whiskey habit. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but that's what, that's what we're trying to... You're in. <laughs> <laughs> but that's what we're trying to do on, like, the Hacker Valley side is we're trying to, to bring that back, right? Bring back that enthusiasm, bring back that life, yeah. that vitality. Because yeah. you, I, I've seen it. I've seen it so many times. I've seen yeah. the, the veteran uh, SOC 3 analyst that's like just, you know, tier 3 analyst. It's just been like, I, I've been here for 20 oh. years, do, you know, closing out the same false positives I've been closing out uh, yeah. forever. And so, like, you know, I, there's so much behind a cybersecurity professional. And there's so, so much 
tinkering and there's so much curiosity and passion. And so what we try to do is we try to bring that back out, right? When it, whenever someone listens to Ron and I on a podcast or sees us on a live stream, we want to show our, our energy and our enthusiasm and be like, you know what? Wow. I remember when I felt like that back then. So I'm <laughs> going to bring that back and bring it back to the job field. Hey, actually, I just thought of a great idea on that what? note. Listening to the podcast like this and, and watching them is if you, if you really want to get yourself, um, distinguish yourself. Try to apply. Reach out to Renee and Chris. You know, you you y'all are really nice people. Reach out and say, "Can I help? Can I be interviewed? Maybe just for even ten minutes." Right. I'm really excited about security. Can I get on and ask questions? Things like that on your resume look so good. Yeah. Um, that that you've been on the webcast, or even just that you watch them, that you mm -hmm. regularly listen. Yeah. Oh, we, we've had some great past guests that have skyrocketed um, since when we first interviewed yeah. them to where they are now. Um, we've seen some amazing um, growth and we love seeing that because that's that's actually one of the reasons that we, we've done this, both to help people provide them with a platform as well as to get their point of view and their experiences so others can use that and grow themselves. I think also the quality of your questions is going to dictate the quality of your career and your experience. So we have a question right here. What are the best certifications to get straight out of a BS degree? This is a this is a great question to ask, but it's a little a little broad. Like I could go many different routes. I think, you know, for me as a mentor and as an advisor, it's a little easier for me to answer a question like if it's very specific and tailored towards you as an individual. Hey, I'm working on this thing. I've been working on it for X amount of time, and I'm thinking about going this route. Uh, what can you speak on about going this route? I think like those are those really help me cater my answer to what's going to help you most. I could give you certifications and say Security Plus, uh, CEH, CISSP. Those are always great, but it really depends on what you want out of your career. You know, you're going to spend mm -hmm. eight hours a day behind a desk in front of your computer you might as well make it fun i, I love what i yep. do just because i'm constantly asking chris questions I, I recently met olivia me and renee have a great you know relationship so I'm, I'm able to just bounce certain paths that i'm following off of the you know great minds and get to the solution i'm hoping for i, I would say uh was it jennifer who posted that question it's changed yep. that was Dan uh, danielle oh danielle sorry i would say Danielle, it's more about, I think you're looking at a little skewed. It's not about the certification to get right out of BA, to get right out of a bachelor degree. Um, because you can't really, just like Ronald said, you, you can't really get it um, without a little experience anyway. You're supposed to have like three years experience, I think, for the CSSCP or whatever that's called. CISSP, but the lighter one. Five years. Mm -hmm. Five years, <laughs> but that's a CISSP for the yeah. um, there's one below it they or security plus. Yeah. yeah. So it's more about don't go for the certifications, don't go for the book stuff, go for the experience. Mm -hmm. uh, get that experience and network. That's what I would say, and then go for the certifications. Yeah. Definitely. Who who do I need to talk to immediately after getting my BS? That's super important. Right. Yeah. Yes. How do I present myself? What am I going to put on my resume? How do I get that experience? 
what will impress people? Could I go up to Chris at RSA or a hiring event and, and just say, hi, my name is XYZ and I don't have any certs, I just graduated, but I've learned how to configure a firewall and I'm studying for the Security Plus. Wouldn't you kind of be like, hmm, okay. One of the first things I tell people is figure out like what skills and competencies you enjoy doing and that you love doing and then figure out what roles might align best to that and see if that role is interesting to you. Because when, when I was getting my degree and I happened to be in Europe at the time, I noticed that 75% of the folks that were around me had a degree in one thing but they were working in a totally different area. And I'm like, why did you why did you do your degree in this area? Oh, because it was the first thing I picked. S same thing for same thing for your roles. Figure out what you like doing and just don't choose to become a SOC analyst because it's the first thing most people tell you to do. Um, right. figure out something that you like doing first. Mm -hmm. What what are you good at? I was yeah. a women's studies major. It's the only major I could graduate in because they didn't have a GPA level. Uh, restriction. So uh, <laughs> I was a women's studies major. I went into marketing because what do you do with a women's studies major? I don't know. But marketing, if you look at it, the skills that I'm good at today are very consistent with what you need to be good at with marketing. Mm -hmm. Right. So look at, you don't even need a BS degree. You, if you have a BA, you know, an, an yeah. arts degree, look at what you're good at. And, and like Krista said, focus on those. Yeah. yeah, I had a great um, conversation with uh, Anne-Marie from uh, MasterCard, and she was saying that she has an accounting background. She was saying that a lot of the principles of cybersecurity are based off of uh, accounting, like the CIA triad, like confidentiality, yeah. Yeah. integrity, availability. Those are accounting uh, fundamentals, and there's so much knowledge transfer that's available for all types of degrees and programs. Mm -hmm. I'm a humanities. Uh, I have a humanities degree, minor in cybersecurity, so I cheated a little bit. But yeah, a BA. <laughs> yeah. I started in business and then didn't get a IT focused degree until my master's. So um, I, I think I think going the business route is actually a great route to go. Because in the end, if the business isn't there and surviving, and you don't understand how to help the business, there's not much of a role for you in, in, in security because you have nothing mm -hmm. to secure. Right. And the higher you go on the non-technical side of security, more of the management side, if your career path is a VP or a CISO, the more you have to understand how to align the security controls to the business and be able to translate there. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I agree with you. A business would be a great degree. Namdi, I think it's about honing one's craft. Ron and I talk about this all the time. Trust and love the process. That, that's perfect. Absolutely perfect. Yeah. yeah, I've been reading the mastery book. Thanks, guys. Yeah, it's good, right? Uh, yeah, it's a long one, but it's good. It, it is. <laughs> it, it is. It's like thick. a Bible. <laughs> <laughs> it's a seventeen-hour audio book. <laughs> yeah. The certification question really depends on what you're trying to do. Absolutely. Exactly. Eventually, yeah. Yeah. If you're going the technical track, you want to get certain types of certifications. If you're going the more management uh, side uh, track, um, 
you want to go that direction. There's some great maps out there that show you the whole routes to take for certain certifications. Just Google them. So question for you, Olivia, as a CISO, do you find that it's more helpful that a CISO comes and comes from the business and understands the business and learns security or that they are very in-depth on the security, but they don't know how to run the business, so they have to learn the business? I think it's a lot harder to learn soft skills on the business. Um, the key to being effective as a CISO is persuading people to do things that they don't want to do. Uh, <laughs> so if I, one of my stakeholders would be, um, let's say the server team or the, or the network team, they don't wanna, you know, they have their own priorities, right? They don't wanna necessarily have to change a, a, a port on the firewall uh, that marketing wanted for a campaign and support 80, right? <laughs> so you have to learn how to convince, how to sell, how to persuade, how to make a business case. So this is why it's important because it affects, because opening port 80 to the world makes everybody able to access our company, even though marketing would like that. And then because it rolls out to the vision and the mission of the company. So let's say a key driver of the company is trust. It's customer trust. If you mm -hmm. lose customer trust, you basically lost customers. They're going to jump ship to a competitor. So if you have a breach or their data is stolen or somebody does an account takeover and does something nefarious with that, you're going to lose that trust, which is a yeah. key driver of the security of the company. That's how you have to storytell and lead them to the water to drink. Mm -hmm. So I would say it's critically important to understand the business and the soft skills and you can learn the tech skills yep. and you also have people doing the tech thing for you, but you still need to maintain a certain understanding. And it's a lot harder for most people I've met anyway, who are techies to learn the soft skills because that is a lifelong learning adventure. I mean, I, I still learn every day and I'm, I'm pretty good, but I still learn every day, not to upset people, <laughs> not to say things that upset them. <laughs> um, yeah. I think oh. it's harder, but uh, I, I, sorry, go ahead. I was saying, I think consultants, those in the consulting background make phenomenal CISOs because they're able, yeah, they're <laughs> able to go to, I mean, they're used to being beaten up, beaten up by clients. <laughs> they're able to quickly adapt. They're able to communicate findings, make that business case. They're able to uh, partner and, figure out resources and stakeholders, but then they also have the technical background. Mm -hmm. Right. I, I wanted to go back to this uh, comment from Danielle. She said, I focused on digital forensics, but don't see any jobs in the field. And then a reef came in and this is exactly what I was thinking there. You're right. There aren't a ton of digital forensics positions out there just because it's such a, a niche focus. However, if you take those digital forensics skills and apply it to threat hunting, or detection engineering, you you now have opened up the aperture for what you can do within cyber. So take take that that focus of that that focus of digital forensics and open it up to see what other areas you can apply your skills to. Incident response, emergency response. Yeah. Yep. 
a lot of the times you don't hear DF without the IR uh, part. They kind of combining it all together yeah. because yep. it, it goes hand in hand. Like what Chris was saying, and I'm sure you're going to say Chris F. Um, you know, there's there's so much to the the forensics that lead into other areas that you're going to need to kind of close out the loop on. Yep. I would say, Danielle, look at. Oh, sorry. I, I would say look at consulting organizations. Don't necessarily look in house. Look at consulting organizations. They're hiring especially the big four, they hire people right out of school and chain them, but everyone is, everyone's looking for a forensic investigator, incident response person, everybody, everybody loves them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so look at consulting companies. There or companies go. like Mandiant, um, Mandiant well, Fire, stop it, a lot of IR. Yeah, mm-hmm. proof point, oh, yeah. yeah. Yep. Can you hey, Renee. Yes. Loud and clear. Yeah. Yay. Yay. It's still, is it still choppy? No. It's just a little delayed, uh, like the, the video. Delay, okay. But we can hear All you right, perfectly. All right, cool. Um, excellent. So I was sitting on my hands like I have so much to say. <laughs> um, so from a large company perspective, I wanted to just share a couple of my experiences. Um, and from being on the recruiting side and being in the uh, SOC lead in the um in the in in a cybersecurity department. So working in cyber and then being on the HR recruiting side in large organizations. So in the large organizations, um, most of the time degrees were necessary, which happened to be obviously a barrier to entry. Um I think with this new EO to Chrissy's point, it just opens up a door and gives more larger organizations the opportunity to now flex those. So some of the people that were a part of Forest developed to help kind of craft or present the EO to be signed. So you had of IBM, the CEO of App, the CEO of Siemens, of um, uh, Lockheed Martin, Western bit. So, effectively, you know, under his collective path um, to getting into opportunities is not the same in a four year degree. Especially if it's not a four-year degree in a field with practical experience and all of that, um, you know, it isn't really. We're losing you a bit. Shouldn't be the barrier to entry. Um, that's one of the points that I wanted to make, just about the EO overall. So. Yeah, like um, like the comment from what Charles was saying is that if you rush out to go get the Gushing letters, has been oh wow, I'm choppy again. Yeah, a little bit. Am I choppy? Yep, you were. Yeah. Um, kind of like that that um comment that was up for Charles. Um, if you rush out to go get those letters behind your name, those certifications, but you don't know your foundation. Um, you'll get called out on, um, whether it's in an interview or on the job. Um, you have to have that experience 
and whether it's in a home lab or on the job that you're 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 training you have to build up those foundations and that experience um and it, it's similar to what was discussed in the mastery book is that apprenticeship phase in that in that phase where you're learning everything you have to repeat 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 so that you can learn exactly all the different ways to do it um, all the tips and tricks and then that way you you become a master yourself yeah i think it would be a little frustrating and and discouraging to have all the letters behind your name but not have any of those skills that are really going to make you better at your job make it a little more fun i think anything that you're good at anything that you've accomplished mastery in it's going to be more engaging more fun and that you, you'll you'll find more creative ways to make the challenge going forward i'm sure uh olivia i'm sure that you know being in the CISO position at you know some great companies you've had to up the ante and really challenge yourself stretch yourself more thin and figure out more creative ways to get better yeah yeah and and going back to the point where getting certifications behind your name without the the chops behind it that's where I was in 2005. And I think it was a lot, it was expected then because security was newer mm -hmm. in a way, but I got thrown in the deep end. My first customer was PayPal. <laughs> they just said, here, wow. go do a PCI assessment <laughs> for PayPal. <laughs> so, and, and that's how I thrive. But today, so how long, oh my gosh, it was 20 years ago. No, 18 years ago, 18 year, years ago, that, that's, you could get away with that and, and it was kind of expected today it does reflect not so great on you if you have those certs and you put them first as that's who you are because that's not who you who you are what you what you are is how you as charles put it crafted your art you have that love and enthusiasm i don't care about the letters behind your name because you know what they cost money and lots of it. I don't, lots of it. I don't care because, you know, just because you can't afford to get a, a degree, because if you go to the training, that's $5,000 right there. Uh, and then you've got to pay the maintenance fees, of course, and take the, the test itself. You know, that's going to cut out a whole bunch of people to me. And when you just have your name and all these certifications are after it, to me, you know, some of these certifications are just paper. That's not who you are. Right. If you have them, put them on there, but don't promote that first. Promote who you are and then supplement it with the certifications. You Absolutely. Know, if, if you can back up those skills, then then put them there. But if yeah. you're going to get called out on it and you're going to look silly, um, don't do that. I've... I've okay. made some curriculums for myself, like for the, I, I wanted to get my CCSP, for example, but I did not want to learn everything in that certification. I didn't really think that the certification was really going to make me more valuable or uh, a more of a master at my craft. So instead, I just looked at the certification, grabbed the topics that I wanted to learn about and made my own kind of curriculum. There's no yeah. cert behind it, but those skills yeah. are still on my resume. It's still something I can leverage and fall back on and feel confident that I know. There's, yeah. something, there's something I just want to unpack on what you said, Olivia, and I think it's super powerful and I hope people don't don't gloss over it, is that, number one, certifications aren't who you are, but then neither is your title, 
Neither is the company that you work for. There's so much to you as a person that makes you powerful. And so if you try to hinge who you are on the things that you, your accolades or certifications or the school you went to, you're going to find yourself feeling empty at one point or another. But if you understand who you are and your power and you step into that, Mm -hmm. you can't beat that. Your best self, be your best self. Because, and along that point, Chris, if you lose your job, there goes your identity. Right. If you're so wrapped up with who you are and you're always going to be competing against others. You're not competing against others. You're competing against yourself. Be the yes. best person you can be. Uh, don't wrap yourself up with your identity. We want in security. We want people who can work as a, as a team who are fun people who are nice mm-hmm. and helpful. I know that's what we want. Love that. Yeah, we got you. Yay. All right. We only got a couple minutes left. <laughs> <laughs> we'll leave the rest of the time for Renee. Uh, so we'll, no, you can you begin go. your monologue. <laughs> it's, it's totally fine. No, I love this is a, a huge discussion. Um, and I was trying all kinds of ways to get in. So finally, I'm here on my phone. So breaking into security. Yeah, breaking in. <laughs> she hacked it. She figured it out. Um, and I can't find my headset that goes with the phone. So whatever. <laughs> as long as you can hear me and I'm not choppy, we yeah. will have to bring this up again. Maybe we do part two next week or something. Let's do it. Part two. I, I think did... it's such yeah. a good topic. Yeah. Um, yeah. So and Renee, I apologize. I do want to hear your what you have to say, but my kids are showing up. Yeah. <laughs> so I have to jump off. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But I will catch up and watch this again so I can hear what you want, uh, what you're going to say. Okay, so, cool. Thanks, thank Olivia. you for having me. Thanks so much. Bye. Bye. But yeah, we we definitely have so, to do a part two because I I really want to hear what you have to say, Renee, because I know that this subject is near and dear to your heart. You probably have so many insights. You have so many predictions, probably about what the future of work is going to look like. Uh, so I would say, yes, count me in for a round two. Wait, yeah. we, we have uh, Chris Roberts. Uh, no. Yeah, we have Chris Roberts next week. So that'll be a fun conversation to talk about education versus um, experience. Yeah. Mm. yeah. I mean, it's just, it's what everyone has been saying. I mean, the the CISO, you have to look at the folks that are doing the job and the folks that are doing the hiring. And what's happening consistently is that they're asking for the skills and there's a gap. And I think there is, um, you know, all of us can't, to, Olivia made some really great points that I was able to hear as I was going in and out. You know, all of us cannot afford degrees. Many of us went while we were, you know, working or, you know, we weren't, you know, fortunate enough to have someone paying, you know, a parent paying for college. And then those poor parents that are out there right now with their kids back home living in their basements, you know, they're like, hey, you know, I dropped two, three hundred thousand dollars and I have a sweatshirt and a key ring to show for it. And that's Dang. pretty much it, you know, that's and real. So that's real. And it's, you know, and, and the one of the things, one of the points that I wanted to make before was that certain degree programs, those kids and, and young people and people in general get opportunities point blank, straight out of school, bachelor's in cybersecurity, bachelor's in computer science, bachelor's in certain in certain programs. And the real hack is 
what are those programs providing their students that their students are getting snapped up versus other programs that are not? So if you do want to go the degree route and you don't know, you know, like, I think it's, I think putting a, um, telling a young person, a 17-year-old or an 18-year-old to like, figure out what you love and do all of these things. Like, it's nice for us to say now that we're in our thirties and forties, like, but thinking about, you know, I interact with these high school students and like the student I had on yesterday, um, you know, he was able to get in. Oh, loves. We're losing you again. I'm still here. Yeah, you're I'm still here. there, but yeah, you got a little choppy. Yeah, down. I'm here. Okay. Um, however, for most students, you know, they don't know what they want to do. They have no idea, don't know what's going on. So, you know, it's on the leadership. It's on us to be able to kind of point these people and give them a path. And I think one of the things that college did was at the time, you know, when you when it when certain programs are able to kind of like point these people in direction, this is why you know some of you people like go into the military, like it's a path to something like, I don't know what I want to do, but it's a path, you know, you go into a degree program and you, you know, you think, okay, I like computers. I'm going to try to do computer science or something like that. It's a path. Um, so without that, you know, without these kind of like big, broad um, pathways, the question is like, okay, so I'm a parent, my child is 17, they coming out of high school, you know, and they have nothing to do. What am I going to tell them to go do now? So I think there's a, I think that, you know, that gap, that whole like skills assessment piece will be important um, and really understanding um, what, like how we can really truly direct people into what they, the path they want to take, because we, we get, you know, I 100% get that leaders need skills, point blank, period. How do we get these people, how do we get them skills? That's the real question. Like either through a degree program, through an associate's program. Chris talks every week about apprenticeship programs. Like how do we get these people into, how do we get them the skills that they need to be successful when they come in working under Ron, when they, to be successful when they interview to work under Chris? You shouldn't have to go through like dozens and dozens and do all kinds of tricks to find a person that has the skills. That's to me like the big, big piece of all of this so i won't keep up a whole bunch more time (laughs) (laughs) those are all great points yeah we got like a minute left you guys want to do final thoughts final thoughts my final thought is what a great conversation it's good to see that there's leaders out there that's pushing the curve to remove those degree requirements um, from their job descriptions as olivia said Uh, For the females out there, stand up for yourself. If you led something, don't downplay your role within the project. Um, Speak up for yourself. And like she said, if you meet like the first quarter or half of the job description, go ahead and apply for it. Um, Have that conversation with the hiring manager and show your passion because the passion and the skills is what a lot of hiring managers are looking for these days. I, I really, what Chris was saying, uh, Chris C and Olivia were saying about don't get married to your title. Don't get married to the certifications. I couldn't agree with that anymore. I think when I first started my career, I was definitely caught up in the alphabet soup and wanted to to boil the ocean. And now I'm more interested in finding 
where does my genius lie? Like what, mm-hmm. what, what brings out my creativity? What brings out um, the best part of me, but also focusing on like some of the accolades that I need to get the best opportunities. But I think it's all about, you know, we're spending eight hours a day in these jobs. Make sure that at least you can find something that you can get good at, something that you're going to enjoy and something that is hopefully going to make you some money also. Yeah. And I would say find your path, right? You, you don't have to follow anyone else's path. You don't have to find, follow the path that someone told you about in a book that they read one time 10 years ago. Find your own path. If that's the, the four-year degree route, take it. Maybe you, you operate better in that environment. Maybe you'd rather do bite-sized content and figure it out that way. Maybe you'll read a book. Maybe you'll do your own project. Maybe you'll invent something completely new. Find your own path. And um, for me, it's really about my, my big question. And it's, it's the question out there is how, how are we going to get people the skills? Because there's a talent gap, or I don't think it's a talent gap. I think it's more of a skills gap. Mm-hmm. We have people out there with the talent. How do we get these people assessed? How do we get the skills? How do people get the skills even before potentially um, getting the job? Because it's the whole chicken and egg thing. Well, you need skills. Well, I don't have the skills. I need to get a job to get the skills, <laughs> like that kind of thing. And we know we can do, you all can do self-directed projects and all those types of things. But the real question is, how do we get people the skills? So I am excited to have Chris Roberts on next week. Let's do it. That's going to be a good Bring one. Bring opinion to the table <laughs> to talk about this subject because I think it is so important. And China makes such a good point here. She says more entry-level jobs. And I think she is so absolutely right. Like, how can we break down these cyber roles to make them more bite-sized so people have paths so we could get more people in? Just like we used to do, like we did with help desk, like we do with real, real entry level. Like, what can we create that a high school student could come out and get into, you know, the, a little pathway into security? So, that is my point, folks. Thank you all, right. all so much. Sorry for my technical difficulties and my choppy internet and all this nightmare stuff that's going on i'm making sure to clean it up for next week because i want to be here in full effect for chris roberts yes indeed (laughs) (laughs) all righty we'll have a great week have a great fourth and we'll see everybody next week see you all next time Bye. bye everyone In the rapidly evolving world of cybersecurity, your business needs a guide that's as dynamic as the threats you face. CPF Coaching LLC delivers unparalleled expertise to elevate your cybersecurity startup or business with a decade and a half of specialized experience. We're not just advisors, we're your strategic partners in growth and risk mitigation. Our tailored advisory services range from immediate hourly guidance to comprehensive three or six month packages, all supported with encrypted messaging for real-time assistance. For more information, cpfcoaching.com is your destination. Forge a path to success and distinction in the cybersecurity landscape. Connect with CPF Coaching LLC today and secure your business's future.